Nehemiah 8 8. They read from the book, from the law of God, clearly. And they gave the sense so that the people understood the reading. Hello again, everybody. My name is Bryce Beale. I'm an elder here at Faith Bible Church. And who is with me today? Dan Geelock, also an elder at Faith Bible Church. Dan Geelock, thank you for being here, Dan. Today we are talking about something that affects probably everyone listening to this every week of their life. Today we are talking about the Bible and sermons. In the Old and New Testament, believers read God's Word in a hearing culture, and today it's backward. Today, we are not in so much a hearing culture. We are in a reading or a literate culture. So we tend to read God's word. That's the main way we get it. We open our Bible in the morning. We have our quiet time. So mostly we read it. Most people know how to read. It wasn't that way long ago. It is that way today. So as we're going to see, we have to talk about how we hear sermons because hearing a sermon is hearing the word of God, but it's not the most natural way that we receive the Word of God today, because we're usually reading it. So how do we hear sermons effectively? Before we get to that, Dan, you've got some information on this difference I've talked about from long ago, oral cultures in the Old and New Testament, so oral or speaking cultures, hearing cultures, versus the more reading, literate culture today. Dan, what are some of the differences between then and now? Well, that's, that's a great question, and it's especially important because there has been, historically, a debate within the scholarly environment, the academic environment, as to whether or not there was the ability to record history accurately back when, for example, Moses was experiencing God and the people of Israel and the exodus from Egypt. But thankfully, even though there are those skeptics that say Moses could not have written because writing had not developed at that time, contemporary archaeologic finds confirm that the Sumerians, about the same time that Moses walked the earth and experienced the power of God along with the people of God, those writings have been found and confirmed time and time again that these people were not incapable of having literary records. So that's very important to remember. In addition, you also see the question rises, okay, well, a lot of the drama, whether you're talking about the Old Testament or New Testament, happened but was not recorded for decades after the event. And so the question becomes, well, how do we know that that's reliable? Are we simply counting on oral tradition? And thankfully, the reality is, well, not only did the Holy Spirit you know, keep people accurate. But there is a wonderful culture of memory that is a little bit foreign to us today. In oral cultures, where memory has been trained for generations, oral memory can accurately preserve and pass on large amounts of information. From the Bible record, it is a well-known fact that the rabbis had the Old Testament and much of the oral law committed to memory. And there were even acrostics, there were mnemonic devices. I mean, we're very familiar with Psalm 119, right? So Psalm 119, how is Psalm 119 set up? It's the Hebrew alphabet. Yeah. And so you begin each of the sections with the letter of 
that alphabet. Uh, it's not all alliteration, of course, but that's a very helpful way to memorize. Now, the other wonderful thing is that literacy has increased phenomenally over the last 250, 300 years. While only 12% of the world population could read and write in 1820, now it's reversed. According to 2016 data, only 14% of the world population remain illiterate. Over the last 65 years, the global literacy rate increased by 4% every five years. And that's not just in America, but that's across the globe. So we have come to an age of well-founded, well-spread literacy. Yeah. And thank you for that, Dan, because I feel like that information, number one, gives us some confidence when we are thinking about the way the Bible was put together on a human level in the Old and New Testament, because sometimes, like you said, it was decades later, so skeptics like to go in there and poke fun at that or something, but that shows an ignorance of how oral cultures function. I mean, the way people could memorize exact statements is remarkable in a way that we don't today, because we're not like that. But the other point that that leads us to, which is uh, more directly relevant for what we're talking about here is, okay... We are not in an oral culture. Of course, we talk, oral, hearing, talking. We hear and we do talk. But most of our information is coming to us through reading, reading on our smartphones, reading a book, reading an article, reading email, reading a text message. That's a lot of how we communicate. We've adapted. It's amazing that we can do that. So what we're interested in is here we are today in this culture that we live in, used to reading information, which is great, how then do we make the most of the weekly experience of hearing the Word of God through preaching? Nehemiah 8.8, which I read at the beginning, is an amazing passage where you have Ezra, the scribe, come back after the Babylonian captivity to the land of promise. The people are gathered the Levites, who we're talking about, I believe it was the Levites, Levitical priests, are there as well. And it says, they read from the book, and that book is the law of God. So that's scripture to them. So they read with all the people gathered there. And it says, they read from the law of God clearly. That's important in preaching or <laughs> hearing anything. We've got to understand it clearly. And they gave the sense so that the people understood the reading. So in that culture, there's an oral culture, and they are all gathered around. They don't all have a personal scroll that they do their devotional time with. This is how they're getting the word in an oral culture. But that is an example for us because we still gather and hear the word. But this is the one main point we want to make on this podcast. You should not expect, living in the culture we live in, that you will automatically be able to get the most out of sermons. The reason should be obvious, because we're not really used to hearing. We do it in classrooms, but even in classrooms, you've got a PowerPoint. You've got something to read. You've got your textbook. You've got your notes. Everything's reading, and then there's one person talking to go with it. So in hearing the word, don't expect, if you listen to sermons and you get frustrated, you don't understand, or you fall asleep, or you're bored. Okay, there might be other issues going on there too, but I think it's worth saying this is a skill that needs to be practiced. 
just like I, as a preacher of the word, practice my ability to communicate clearly, and I have to work at that, others should also expect when they're hearing the word, they have to practice hearing, especially today, because we're not all skilled at hearing things well. FBC, this church, you know, we have forever and ever been an a church that preaches expositionally verse by verse. And we do that because we want people to be hearing the word of God. It's not just my opinion. Scripture says those who speak, preaching, speak as if they're speaking the oracles of God. So a sermon is a way of hearing God's word if I give the sense so the people understand, like in Nehemiah 8.8. 8. But how do you get the most out of it? Main point, you should expect that it doesn't come automatically that you should develop your skill in hearing God's word through sermons. Now, if you're wondering, how do I do that? Well, we have Dan Gielock himself with us today, and I'm going to throw this question over to you, Dan. You've been listening to sermons for a long time, longer than I've been alive. So, Dan, what advice do you have for someone who wants to practice and develop this skill of getting the most from sermons on a given Sunday? Boy, that's, that's a wonderful question, and it's something that I'm passionate about. Uh, my wife has the wonderful opportunity to help with the Sunday school curriculum here at Faith Bible, and, you know, I've, I've benefited, and I know you have, Bryce, by being in a Sunday school and a sermon environment where the practice, the preparation is so critically important in our development, and I think there's such a blessing that people miss out on when they neglect simple training, simple disciplines in their lives that will enable them to go further in their progression in the things of the Spirit. And it grieves me to think that people are more prone to watch you know, a Netflix series, but neglect the opportunity that God has put in front of them to neglect taking advantage of the investment of time that teachers and preachers have made so that the hearer would benefit. So a couple of things. Uh, I think these are pretty practical. Number one, prepare ahead of time. Now, that means making certain that you know where your shoes are, (laughs) that you have clean clothes, that the kids and you are in bed at a suitable time. I mean, if you're staying up until two at night, binge watching Netflix or Amazon Prime, it's going to be kind of hard to get up and be awake for a sermon. I will watch you fall asleep while I preach and I will judge you. <laughs> Just kidding. I won't judge you. But please well, don't you do that. Know, you know, it's, it is interesting because in some of the Puritan churches in early America, the ushers would have a long pole. On the one pole, on the one end of the pole, would be a knob. Which, which they would knock the heads of the unruly young people. Please, let's get that. <laughs> <laughs> On the other end of the pole was a feather by which they would wake up the sleeping older saint. I should clarify that I really don't see many people fall asleep on a Sunday, so thank you all for staying awake. Uh, but I think preparation is extremely important. You know, know what you're going to feed yourself and the children ahead of time. Um, get sleep the night before, get rid of distractions. When you come in to the congregation where you're going to 
hear the word. And this is important. Even if you're at home because of a health issue, do the same things as well. Turn the phone off. Unless you're using your device to follow and track in God's word, or you're checking references, keep that phone off because it can be a distraction. I know it is for me, but another thing, bring your Bible, either on a device. My preference is a hard copy uh, because I'm going to make a couple of notes in the margin to help me remember, like you said from the Nehemiah passage, the clear explanation so that I better understand the text. So that leads us to the next point, taking notes. You know, modern education theory has been very good at talking about how we retain information. Generally, auditory, oral, you're only retaining about 5%. If you read at the same time, you're going to increase your retention rate twofold. So you'll retain 10%. But if you add a kinesthetic, something that you're doing at the same time, you're writing it down, your retention rate can go up to 70%. 70%. That's amazing. Now, if you're actually teaching, you're doing all the preparation, and then you're delivering it, and you're doing all of this other methodology, your retention rate is going to be closer to 90%, one would hope. Now, Taking notes, for example, is important. It's not just taking the notes down, but also making additional notes. So it's not just filling in the blanks of what the main points of a sermon are, but adding a line on how this applies to me. How do I biblically deal with grief? How do I biblically respond to my child so that I do not exasperate them, so I think that there's no hope? Is there an illustration that's especially poignant that I should record in a note? Then, interacting with that, talking with my spouse about our children, or going back to the notes and reflecting on it. Boy, that's going to increase my retention and the power of God's Word upon my life. So I think that those are generally the most important. Now, I would add one thing. I would add one thing in terms of preparation for being a part of the worship of Almighty God. I truly believe that we get the most from our time listening to sermons, being a part of the congregation, if we are having a steady diet through the week, and we are in the Word of God, regardless of how busy we are, we can take five minutes, open up the Word, read a simple devotion with the family, pray honestly and transparently about these things. When you wake up in the middle of the night, pray about those things that keep you up at night. So preparing your heart for worship, I think, is an especially helpful way for you and I and everybody to get the most out of a sermon where we sit down and read, or sit down and listen, I should say. <laughs> there we are in that literate culture again. 
Thank you, Dan. I think you've covered pretty much all the basics, and those are so helpful. If we just do those things, that will be a real blessing. Yeah, I feel like I could add to that that um, two sides to this. On the one hand, there are boring preachers, and I've preached boring sermons before. There's nothing virtuous in being a boring preacher. <laughs> you know, it it happens. You know, so I'm not arguing for boring preachers. And I'm not saying if you are dozing off in a sermon, it's all your fault. It could be a boring <laughs> preacher's fault too, you know, to be honest with you. So I want to clarify that, but there's two sides. The other side is, like you said, Dan, I find, and I think I've heard this somewhere from someone, I get out of the sermon what I bring to the sermon. So if I am spiritually minded during the week, or even just that morning, maybe it was a terrible week, but that morning I'm trying to get my heart in the right place as my children scream, <laughs> but I'm trying to get my heart in the right place or get up early and get in the word. I do, like you said, I get so much more out of the message. If that doesn't happen, don't feel like you're doomed to get nothing, but that does make a big difference in our listening. Dan, I feel like a lot of what you've shared boils down to this idea of active listening and in our culture especially being able to listen actively so taking notes can help with that personally I find I take notes maybe half the time I listen to sermons and the other half I just try to focus in uh, just by listening I feel like there's benefits to both people are different but the key thing there is are you listening actively if you're letting your mind wander and we all do it but you're not bringing it back into here, you just aren't going to get much from the sermon. So being an active listener, if that requires you to take notes, if that requires you to mouth your own meditations, don't be distracting to people. But And like you said, afterward, returning to what we've talked about in the sermon. A lot of people go out to lunch or will go home and have a meal after the sermon. What a perfect opportunity to bring up a point from the sermon and see what other people thought about that that also helps those things to stick. Your goal always in sermon listening too is, this isn't just data. This is supposed to change your actual life. So you will be blessed if you do these things. Don't deceive yourself. Be a doer of the word. So think on what is something I can actually do from what I've heard here. Thank you, Dan, for being with us again. This is The Bible and Sermons. I hope this has been helpful to you and that you are looking forward to this coming Sunday to hearing God's Word, whether that's Faith Bible Church or somewhere else. Our goal, as always, is to glorify God by aligning our mind with His Word. No matter what we may have thought about sermons before today, may God help us now to think this way.